Welcome to Wellness Wins, where we talk to people who have overcome significant health challenges or are currently managing them and thriving. Today, we're talking to Eli, who went into work one day to cover a shift for coworkers who were out sick, started to feel not quite right, and went to his health center and got a shocking diagnosis that he was having a heart attack at age 40. We'll hear from him on what that experience was like and how he's doing today. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode, my first episode, and I'm really excited to hear about your story in a little more detail. I'm a little familiar just having known you and your wife, Carrie, and it, it's just been incredible to watch your journey on social media and everything you've been through and now to see you out with your family hiking and doing scout stuff and really thriving. Thanks for having me. My name is Elijah Stenman. I'm currently 41 years old. I'll be 42 in October. Yeah, I've lived in central Minnesota for most of my life since I've been five. So we currently reside in St. Joseph. I was working at the hospital at the time of my heart, heart attack. And then uh, now I currently work a few miles away at their health plaza, also in St. Cloud. So yeah, we're, we're a pretty active family now that I have a uh, better work-life balance. We get out and, and do as much as we can. So do a lot of cooking at home, a lot of gardening at home. So you have always been a very active person and a quite healthy person from my understanding. I've always been pretty active, pretty fit, pretty, pretty healthy looking, you know, and the funny thing is with the hospital, we had to do biometric screenings for our, for our insurance. And one of the screenings had said I was borderline obese and, and anybody would have kind of laughed at that, but I kind of, I kind of took that a little personally and had lost 20 pounds or so, you know, and this was all previous to my heart attack, you know, it's a little ironic that lose a bit of weight. And then I, you know, and then I still had this heart attack, but I had always known that heart disease ran in my family. So, you know, I'd always you know, something like that would be a possibility. You know, I had taken um, statins in the past for cholesterol and stuff. But yeah, heart attack at 40 wasn't wasn't in the picture there. Yeah, I think that's that was just so startling for all of us who know of you and your family and the things you said about how active you were. And, you know, maybe we'll circle back to this later, but I wonder, you know, all the good things you've done to take care of yourself and be healthy, perhaps maybe helped you come out of this, you know, as successfully as you did. Take me, if you will, kind of on a little journey through the day of the heart attack, like how, what you remember from that morning. It was a Friday, December 4th, 2020. And I had to work that weekend. Normally, if I work that weekend, I would normally have like Friday off, sometimes Thursday, like today, but normally Friday. Um, but we were actually really shorthanded in the kitchen because we had a, a whole department within our department, a good chunk of them out with COVID. So they needed volunteers to help out. So that was a Friday. And after lunch, I was putting away dishes. And, you know, I kind of noticed when I was breathing, it kind of stung a little bit like you are outside 
in the winter time here in Minnesota, you know, it gets cold. Sometimes you breathe in that cold air, it kind of stings a little bit. Kind of felt like that. It wasn't going away. I kind of finished up putting the dish, you know, dishes away. My shoulders and neck started to kind of feel pretty uncomfortable, you know, and then I kind of noticed it was time for me to punch out. And I said, well, you know, something doesn't feel right. It's not COVID. I have to work 5.30 in the morning. And I ran into our director on my way out. And I said, you know, I told Ryan, I said, I'm going upstairs. I'm going to stop at employee health. Something doesn't feel right. So stopped up to employee health and a nurse up there said, well, you know, if it's in the chest, chest pain area, take you down to the ER. I said, well, it's not really chest pain, but she goes, anything in the chest, we'll just take you down to ER. So they actually wheelchaired me down to the ER. They got me into a room pretty quickly. And my EKG technician was actually one of my regular customers. I served coffee to almost every morning at one of our bistros in the hospital. Ran that EKG, left the room pretty quickly, uh, gave that reading, you know, they give it to the emergency room doctor or whatever. He comes back in a few minutes later, tells me, you know, it's your EKG reading isn't, isn't normal. Ask me a few questions, ask me, you know, basically if I've been doing any drugs or anything that would affect my, you know, heart like that. And I told him, no, you know, I said, okay, well, you know, we're going to have a cardiologist look at this a few minutes later. Again, it's been a while. Um, they gave me some nitroglycerin and a blood thinner to, to treat my symptoms. Cardiologist, Dr. Miranda comes down and says, Hey bud, you know, you're having a heart attack. We need to get you up to the cath lab immediately. And that's kind of when it felt, felt like being like in a, a movie or a TV show, like being on ER or something, you know, like, all right, stat, we got to get you up there. You know, you got a whole crew of people. Everybody's got their job. Got me up there in a hurry. You know, they get that up in the cath lab there. They got the thing in through my groin area up into my heart so they could monitor that and uh, that's when they could see uh, how severe the blockages were in my heart attack they said it was quadruple four blockages kind of ranging in the 90 to 80 percent range in those four uh, arteries on my heart there that's just amazing to me that you know to have that level of blockage and it doesn't sound like you had any indication, like you didn't necessarily feel that different until that morning. Is that right? Yeah, that's one of the doctors in the cardiology team had said something to the effect, you know, that's part of the reason why men of your age generally do not survive the level of heart attack you are having. But I was aware enough to recognize I was something wasn't right and, and getting that immediately taken care of, you know, they say they told me about 90% of um, people don't survive that. If I'd gone home, most likely I, you know, would have gone to sleep that night or something, you know, just not woken up in the morning or something like that. So, so you're, you're being wheeled through the hospital and it feels like you're in a scene of ER and what's going through your head in that moment. I think my situation was a lot different since I actually recognized or knew so many of the people that were working on me kind of, kind of kept everything, the whole situation a lot lighter, you know, you say, Oh, Hey, I know you. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? You know, what's going on? You know, 
the people on the other end are, you know, kind of scared. And, and on, on my end, I was like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? You know? Yeah, I know you. So my, my situation would be quite ideal since I knew so much of my care team and maybe that did help keep it uh, not so serious. I don't know. Like I said, it never, you know, never felt like super serious because I wasn't, you know, I didn't have any broken bones. I wasn't bleeding anywhere. I didn't faint. I didn't collapse. You know, the breathing, you know, was hurting and, you know, my neck and back were hurting or my neck and shoulders. But, you know, after that, they brought me up to ICU, ICU room since it was in our area, at least uh, in central Minnesota here, it was kind of a peak COVID wave. So a lot of the ICU is up on the second floor, but that also happened to be where all the COVID patients were and they overflow into the rooms that they use for the heart center. You know, you wheel up past those COVID rooms and those windows, they don't really have walls. They're all windows that you can see through so that they can not have to go into the room if they don't have to. So you see all these older people on respirators and, and, and you're wheeling down the hallway past all these people and, that was almost more sombering than, than my ordeal. But, um, you know, since I was in the ICU, my wife, Carrie could, that was the, basically the only time she could come see me. So she came and stopped and see me for a little bit. You know, she couldn't stay. She had to go home at the end of the night. And then before they moved me to a different room, she was able to see me briefly in the morning. But like I said, with COVID, uh, no visitors, you know, she was able to be in the room with me a little bit just to, di- just to discuss the, care plan going forward and it was kind of like I said COVID made the logistics of everything a lot a lot more difficult so we didn't know when I would be having surgery what that would entail you know when she would be able to come visit all that kind of stuff so and at what point did you have the surgery I had my heart attack Friday night I was not able to get in and do my surgery until Tuesday mornings and so they were monitoring you and getting you ready for surgery at that point. Yep. Yep. Just monitoring anything. My heart surgeon, Dr. Castro, I think came in a few times, you know, looked at, obviously I went in and did all sorts of different testing, uh, getting different images of my heart and stuff. He came in originally wanted to do like a quadruple bypass. Um, they just, dis- I guess, had decided on a triple bypass. And then, and since I'm, I am younger. They chose to just use one vein for my arm, a radial vein for my left arm. And then they wanted to use two arteries from inside my chest because those, those veins are thicker and stronger and will last a lot longer. So that didn't necessarily complicate the surgery, just made it a little more invasive and a little bit longer. So it ended up being kind of a good chunk of the day, a little bit longer than most other um, open heart surgeries. So how many hours was your surgery? Approximately eight or so. Um, and I don't know what the typical time is, but a few other people I talked to said, you know, a couple of hours for them, uh, since they had to get into my chest a little bit more, I think they kind of had to open me up a little bit wider, get in there little deeper to harvest those those veins they needed and how like that those days that you were in the hospital you couldn't really see your family much except Carrie was able to come visit you 
what kind of things did you find helpful to get you through that time being there pretty much by yourself? Kind of the first day, watch a lot of TV. I mean, like I said, I knew a lot of the employees there, a lot of the staff there. So, I mean, I, I just talked to a lot of them uh, past the time. And, and you know, you'd see people that kind of poke, your, poke their head and say, oh, yeah, you know, we saw you're up here. You know, so a few of the employees kind of stopped in to say hi. And I, I couldn't find anything good on TV. You know, COVID, there weren't any sports going on. There weren't, I think uh, I turned it to a channel where I could watch like a Star Wars marathon all weekend. Watch that a little bit. Just tried to touch base with family, you know, immediate family and let them know what's going on. And then I think by Sunday, they had a better plan and time frame of what was going to happen. Uh, so then I took some time on Sunday to kind of share what had happened to me and what the plan was. And then, so I spent, I think a lot of time on Sunday communicating with people, people reaching out to me. And so I spent a good chunk of Sunday doing that. And then kind of Monday, they kind of get you a little bit ready morning of got to shave you completely shave your whole body. So that, uh, two person job. Um, and then, you know, and I think that's when Carrie was able to come back and, and visit just to stop in uh, before I had my surgery. So, you know, they take you into that surgery room really bright in there. They don't, they don't count you down from 10 anymore. It's just, you're sitting there talking to them. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, I was awake. And it was about midnight or something. And, and they were feeding me ice chips, telling me that I need a, needed to hydrate. And then what was your recovery like after the surgery? Did you have to do rehab or what, what did that look like? I think they gave me, I see. So Tuesday, so Wednesday was don't really do anything Thursday. I think they just get you up in, in kind of moving around your room just a little bit. And I think, but Thursday, let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they have you just walk around your hallway in front of your rooms there you know, just as, as much as you can do. And I mean, I couldn't believe how hard it was for me to walk, um, to get up and, you know, use a walker and just walk down to the end of the hallway, you know, do that. We did that a few times a day and eventually graduated to like walking a circle kind of within the unit. And then I got to go home on Saturday and, you know, they said, you know, they want you to up and walking. So um, fortunately Carrie works at home. So we took like three walks a day. And at first it just started walking down the street a ways to the fire hydrant and then a little bit further. And then eventually able to really quickly uh, increase how much further we did. And eventually we were doing about a one and a quarter mile loop three times a day for a while until I could start my cardiac rehab classes. After a few weeks of doing that, after being able to ramp up my my exercise, they had noticed that my EKG wasn't uh, wasn't normal still, so they had to do an, another angiogram, and they went up. And while they're in there, they they put four stents in. One of my bypasses had failed, so they had to put two stents in to fix that. And then, as long as they were already in there, they put two more stents in to prevent any further issues in other two other arteries. Yeah. So that was interesting because I had 
the 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 drugs they give you for for the pain don't really knock you out all the way and so i kind of was awake and alert enough halfway in i was trying to like sit up and figure out what they were doing and look around and somebody must have given me another little shot of of the drugs and then that knocked me out for a while you just couldn't sit still through it no 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 (laughs) got up and i was trying to check everything out but i i had heard the doctors talking and i kind of knew at that point that that uh they had some additional work to do so so catch us up to now and tell me all about what you guys have been doing activity wise since since the surgery yeah so my cardiologist had given me a goal of you know half hour of exercise a day just so you can always be aware of how your heart's feeling and if you notice anything so what I decided to do was on my lunch break at work, I would go out for walks. So when I came back, I came back to work about seven weeks after my heart attack. So I was still, you know, not at a hundred percent as far as my ability to walk fast or far. So I would just go out and, you know, walk 15 minutes one way and come back another. But the the great thing is with with the hospital being right in the residential neighborhood and right on the Mississippi River there, there were a lot of different uh, routes I could take. And I'd, you know, walk through the neighborhoods, check out all the houses or walk along the river. Eventually got to a point later in the summer where I was kind of jogging. And one day I kind of realized, oh man, I've been jogging 15 minutes. Now I got to jog 15 minutes back to get back to work, uh, you know, before my lunch break is over. And that was just shy of about three miles. Wow. And so I said, well, next time I go jog, I'll try for a 5k. And so I just made sure to run just, just fast enough to get a 5k completed. From that point forward, I would most every day on my lunch break run a 5k. And this Uh, is only a couple months after your surgery. Yeah. Towards like end of the summer here. So it was, it was over a half a year or so at least. Yeah. Seven, eight how months, are, something like that. How are you feeling as you were running and when you got done running? You know, surprisingly really good. I felt, uh, you know, doing the running part, you know, especially if I was, you know, pushing, pushing the pace a little bit more or just wasn't super up for it. It's not always pleasant when you're out for a run, but you recover quickly afterwards and you feel great the rest of the day. So generally, yeah, generally most days I'd be running a, a five, five K on my lunch break, kind of dialed it back a bit. Cause it was starting to take a little bit of a toll on my, just, you know, I just would be a little more beat down and tired. And I think part of that is just kind of coming into this summer season this year. I'm mean, like, even during the winter, I would go out for runs um, just, just make sure to layer up. But, um, just being bit so much busy with other stuff that we weren't busy with the last couple of years, I kind of dialed back and maybe I'll run maybe twice a week now, but I, I still will walk usually a couple of miles on my, about two miles or so on my, on my lunch break. So I'm still, still getting out for my lunch break, just not running quite as much, uh, you know, and then obviously the other, the other half of it would be diet now, uh, just being on a heart healthy diet. Has that changed how you cook for your, for yourself or for your family? Oh, for sure. 
at first, right out of it, part of doing your cardiac rehab is that you actually do take classes you can take that they'll show you how to eat healthier. Um, and being as my job is a cook at the hospital, it was kind of fun to be able to actually help our nutritionists with some of the classes. They're just kind of giving them a few tips or pointers on ingredients or techniques that other people could use, you know, try to cook with a lot less oils, obviously, you know, a lot less saturated fats. So I used to make curries. I just kind of gave up on the coconut milk thing. Same with beef. I don't ever buy beef or order it. You know, if I out to eat, um, I won't completely eliminate everything, but there are certain things that I generally don't purchase anymore and, and generally don't have in the house. And then the other big thing was salt. And since there's so much salt in everything, I uh, I generally don't salt much of my food anymore at home. There's other items, you know, you cook with that give you plenty of flavor and, you know, have salt in them naturally. So, um, and just try to really increase that, my fiber, fiber being good for the cholesterol and stuff and, and keep things running smoothly and, and really just kind of doubling up on the amount of vegetables I use uh, when cooking. So the other thing you said earlier on is that you have a different kind of work-life balance now. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit, what that's like. Yeah, I used to run a restaurant in the food court at, in, at the mall. And, you know, that was 60, 70 hours a week, you know, and then we had the two, the two boys. And so we just needed, um, I was able to find a job with the hospital that, that provides you that, uh, you know, 40 hour a week, regular, you know, generally I'm working 5.30 or 6, 6.30, something like early in the morning to early afternoon. So that gives you much better, you know, in your, uh, for a while we were doing every other weekends. So now we do it like every third weekend. So, you know, you're not complete, you know, you're not working every weekend. I'm active with the boys of scouts. I, I lead both of their dens. I have time for that now. We, we go camping. I grew up camping and stuff, and that's something I always wanted to do with the family, but didn't have any time for until, you know, until I started working at the hospital. Yeah, it sounds like you're able to really give time to all the different things that are important to you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to cook dinner for your family every day. It's nice to, to be active with them in, in, in their interests. Um, and it's nice to have, you know, family time to go do the things that we enjoy as a family, getting out and exploring. Once we kind of got into excited and interested in camping, we had, uh, started visiting all the state parks and, and Jonas had a goal of doing it all before he turned 11. So last summer we, we finished up visiting all of the state parks in Minnesota. So it ends up being like 60 something. 65-ish or so. Um, and then we've already started our second go-round and we're about, I think, 25 parks in on our second go-round. What's we your favorite park you went to? Favorite park? Um, ooh, there's a handful of them. We we like, I we really like uh, Glendalow State Park. Uh, we liked Lake Bronson. And probably another one of our favorites was Bearhead Lake. And that's that's kind of a favorite for a lot of people, so... 
that one's up near Ely, kind of has a boundary waters feel, but without having to backpack in or, or canoe in or portage in or whatever, any of that stuff. So a little more accessible, but it still has that Northwoods feel that, you know, everybody likes. I'm so happy to hear how well you're doing and your family, you guys are doing all the things, all the adventures that you want to do together. One thing that I like to ask people in my wellness coaching sessions, or just kind of help them think about is their, their internal strengths and maybe external resources that can help them when they're dealing with something difficult. And thinking back on the past couple of years, what would you say were maybe that combination of your own strengths and the resources around you that helped you make it through this difficult thing and come out so successfully? I guess I'd just have to say, just having a positive attitude. I do have a history of, you know, heart disease in my family. So, I mean, I always knew that there was a possibility. So, you know, that probably helped a bit, but, you know, like I said, just try to keep as positive as an attitude about it. Uh, Looking forward to the, you know, setting new goals of, Maybe I want my new improved heart to last longer than my original crappy heart, you know? Carrie just did such a wonderful job of um, keeping the house running. And, you know, I had, you know, a lot of people came and made meals. My department at work, they had adopted our family for Christmas. So we'd gotten support from them, family members, you know, people just, People you hadn't talked to or seen in a while, just willing to, you know, ask if we needed anything. Carrie was able to work from home and she had it doubly tough because the boys also, you know, were doing distance learning, but she had a lot on her plate for a couple of months. She did the bulk of the work around here for a bit and, you know, it was greatly appreciated. It helps to have a, an awesome supportive partner. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, You know, I think we we hear a lot of these stories that maybe end differently or have different aspects to them. And that's part of life. And there can be a lot of complexities to health issues like this. But I just really was happy to see how yours seemed to go relatively smoothly and turn out so well. Yeah, one little hiccup. And, you know, I don't know if it's, my general youth or just um, willingness to adopt a new lifestyle or, you know, drugs they have these days are miracle workers too. So, you know, combination yeah. of everything. The combination um, of everything. Yeah. The, the yeah. fact that you were working at the hospital that day and they got you right into cardiology and just all those things seem like they all aligned really well for you. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm lucky. And, you know, I obviously it, you know, day doesn't go by that I, I don't think about that and, and, you know, realize how lucky I was that everything worked out the way it did. And you saw this as an opportunity to really, as you said, um, I want my new heart to last a long time. So you're doing everything mm-hmm. you can to make sure that happen. Yeah. I mean, I've got nine and an 11 year old kid. I, you know, a couple boys I'd like to, I'd like, I'd like to be around for, for a while. So absolutely. Thanks again, Eli. This was, this was really great to hear you share your story. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I, you know, anything I can do if, uh, if, you know, if it even helps one person, it's, 
more than worth it, especially for younger men my age that you got to be a little aware and you got to, and you can't brush everything off all the time. Yeah. I think, you know, you talked about a few things where you were in tune with your body and just the fact that you went to the health center, you were listening to your body and there are other things you mentioned too, that really made a difference for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, they told me if I hadn't gone in and just gone home, I most likely would not have survived. So. Wow. Yeah. Thank goodness you listened to those signs. Oh yeah, for sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wellness Wins, where we celebrate stories of people who have overcome wellness challenges or are managing them successfully. To learn more about the services I offer as a wellness coach, you can check out my website at connectiontowellness.com. There are blog posts on various wellness-related topics. You can schedule a free consultation if you'd like to learn more about wellness coaching and lots more. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.